It's Monday the 28th of December. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. You got through Christmas, my dear friend. How are you? Oh, I'm full, mate. Tell <laughs> 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 you what, you need a zipper at this point. Now, how did the tennis game go? Last time we chatted, you and Brett were, were going and you'd had a 40-year, four-decade dominance on the tennis court. How did it go? Mate, sad news to report here. He, he beat me only one set. Um, <laughs> Brett's got a sore ankle as well, so... It was a bit like Dad's army out there, but uh, no, he, he took me down. The first set he's taken off me in 40 years, so I'm not impressed, mate. I'm going to get back into training now. The tide is turning. I tell you what, I really enjoyed him on Fox Cricket yesterday. His analysis of the fast bowling of Pat Cummins was just exceptional. Now, today, speaking of tennis, Jaslyn Hewitt, the Australian Open, is on. It looks like Roger Federer is going to be there. We'll get the latest on the tennis. Paul Smith, of course, the owner of the Kings, is going to join us as well. A lot happening locally and overseas. We've got an Australian billionaire owning one of the teams. So, so much to get through. Let's go. Well, Shane, look, India have hit back. Uh, none, All out for 36 was just extraordinary, wasn't it? And uh, I think a lot of people were thinking, how are they going to go? Well, we, we predicted they would come back, and, and that they have done, mate. Um, look, Australia winning the toss, batting first. Burns out for zero again. Another failure in the first innings. Uh, Matty Wade, you know, he got to 30, and he played a, a pretty ordinary shot. The big difference is Labuschagne got to 48 and didn't go on with it. Um, as did Head, only 38, and Smith, another duck, mate. So the Aussies struggle with the bat. Um, Boomer, the best of the Indian bowlers with 456, but the guy that's having a really, really good series for the Indians is Ashwin. Um, three for 35. The off-spinner, he's tall. In previous tours, he's been absolutely belted out of the attack here, and um, he's really dominating the Australians this series. Yeah, we're looking brutal, aren't we? Look, a few months ago, we were talking about this Australian cricket team as, as a colossus in a way with, you know, huge amounts of depth and Young guys about to come in and, and you know, with Warner's injury and Pekofsky's concussion and other bibs and bobs and people out of form, it doesn't look like that at all. Now, Australia plays really well when we've got two strong openers. And, you know, we've been a bit lucky in the last sort of you know, six, seven years with, with Smith, who's scored runs year in, year out. And he's having a little bit, bit of a bad shot at the moment. He'll come good, of course. Um, but then you saw India bat and um, and really turn it around. But the Australians were appalling in the field. You know, five drop catches. Payne, a real tough one inside edge, um, down leg side. He dropped it. Steve Smith, uh, one that sort of squirted at him at second slip, was it burst through his hands. Green, a low one in the gully that he probably should have took. He's a tall man. But then head dropped. Um, Rahane, the captain, he's on 104 night out. He dropped him right on stumps with an absolute sitter. Um, five catches in a test match go down, you're in real big trouble. And that's the thing at this level, and you've played for your country. You just have to take those catches. It's not good enough to say they were tough, is it? Because really they're the difference, aren't they? They catches win matches. I know they're all cliches, but it's so true. It is, mate, and particularly at the MCG where scores can be pretty much between 200 and 280 per innings, five catches go down. You have to think that's worth at least 30 runs per catch. So you know, there's 150 runs straight away. And then conversely, the Indians batting really, really well. Stuart McGill on 45. McGill. It does uh, sound like good. Stuart McGill. It does sound like Stuart McGill. But the Indian batsmen batted really well. You know, Rane with 100 today, has batted well as well. So really interesting to see how the Aussies go today. They're going to have to really put in um, and bowl well. Both Stark and Cummins did well, both with two wickets each. 
but we can't afford to be dropping catches anymore. No, that's it. They cannot drop catches. And now, look, um, we're going to speak to Jaslyn Hewitt and Paul Smith real soon. Of course, the test match here in Melbourne, we still don't know whether Sydney will go ahead. We've got our fingers crossed because the numbers really are infinitesimal right at the moment with this coronavirus. So just, uh, anyway, fingers crossed on that that we get the Sydney test match. What was your chosen dish at Christmas time? Was there something that just stood out for you? Was it was it white Christmas? Was it turkey? Was it was it something else? <laughs> we did a bit of a uh, Greek theme this year. Uh, we like to do a Goodness. theme every year. Yes, that was good. It was some really good Greek lamb and some um, spanakopita. Uh, it was nice, mate. And some nice salad. So it was good, and obviously plenty of good red wine as well. So we we had a we had a lovely and then the backyard cricket with the two brothers. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it would have been fierce still, particularly after he took a set off you. A little bit of souvlaki washed down with some red. Coming up next, Paul Smith, the owner of the Sydney Kings. Afternoon sport, great to get going this week again. And uh, let's talk a little bit of basketball, Shano, because uh, every sport, because of this latest Avalon cluster, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of people left with it, thankfully, uh, but it has messed the whole sporting calendar up. Mate, it has. And we've got Paul Smith on the line here today. Paul will tell us all about the the, the issues that, that basketball locally is having with COVID. How are you, Paul? I'm good, Shane. Hi, Tim. How are you, boys? You all right? Good, buddy. Yeah, good, good, good. Uh, you, you guys have had to... To move things, obviously, we're we're now just we're under two weeks away from the start of the comp. Yeah, no, no, we well, yeah. Look, I think we, oof, I think fifteen January or something like that. So we've got a few days up our sleeve. But yeah, well, it's not only the Kings; it's the Hawks as well that have been equally impacted. Um, so yeah, things just sort of took a turn for the worse before Christmas and seemed to sort of appear to be escalating. And um, you know what? I my view is right now that the issue that we're confronted by from a Sydney Kings, Illawarra Hawks or the Hawks, I should say. Uh, and uh, as it relates to, you know, what we're trying to do, it's really my sense. And I, I don't want to get out on the limb here, but it's, it's more political than a health issue. Right. Uh, I just, I, I'm going to put it out there. I just don't understand the reaction of the other, some of the States as regards to, you know, an immediate shutdown of their borders. It's, it has an enormous impact, not only on sport, culture and families and all sorts of things so i'm a bit frustrated by it but where we're at right now is we're working with the nbl to try to take as proactive and positive steps as possible but it's incredibly disruptive but you know it is what it is and you know we've um we've built our season preparation around disruption you know normally we're like all professional sporting teams you like your team to get into a rhythm and be very structured and have a good routine as you would appreciate shane and you know, we to the minute by minute kind of kind of planning of days where we've sort of disrupted that a lot by throwing in curveballs and changes and things like that. And so we're coping with it. And look, the people have all been very good. I'm not down there myself, but you know, I believe there's been a very warm welcome to the teams down there, which we appreciate. And we'll see where we get to. You know, yep. but uh, I also say to you, it's good to be treated as a second class citizen. I don't understand why basketball doesn't get the saloon passage that cricket does. But we'll yeah. talk about that another day. Yeah, Paul. So, so you, you mentioned Aubrey. So it's confirmed that the Kings and the Hawks will play what the first amount of games in Aubrey or the whole season at this stage. What's the story? No, no. What we're going to do is the idea is to get the teams out of what was defined as the red zone, yep. um, which is the Sydney Greater Metropolitan Area, mm-hmm. which included portions of the Illawarra, and then get the teams into a green zone where they could be residing, practicing in a controlled environment from a health and health and uh, welfare perspective. And then hopefully that 
chips away at the 14-day quarantine requirement once you enter Victoria as it stands currently. Now, I use that horrible word, hope. Um, <laughs> there's hope's not a strategy, and right now that's the best we've got. So we're doing uh, – these. this is a precautionary move, but I must stress – there's no intention to play regular season games in Albury at all, okay. uh, as much as we, we love Albury. But the reality is that, you know, we're just using this as a precautionary measure to ensure that the team can travel interstate gotcha. and play their initial flurry of games. But the intention is uh, uh, totally to have a 14-game home season stand in Sydney. That's what we, we are planning for and expecting to happen. I think it's well worth discussing that right now about the the you know the second-class citizen nature of, of sports because you know NBL basketball in this country has had like has had its you know it's had its springtime again, hasn't it? It is it's really going well. It doesn't need to be slapped around and treated badly. And and you do see it, don't you? We saw with some of the the, the treatment of, of AFL teams up in in Brisbane, they had the red carpet, and others couldn't get in for love nor money. Yeah, it's very strange and peculiar, and I don't know what motivates governments to treat people um, in a disproportionate manner. But it's not only NBL. There's other sporting clubs that have been stranded all over the place by this situation, and I just get a bit crazy about it. I just don't understand it, and I'm, and I'm, I'm prepared to sort of voice my concerns about it and, and ask the question why. And right now no one seems to have an answer. It's just it's a day-by-day you know, proposition and where your contacts run to in government, I think. And it drives me a little bit crazy, as I said. And, uh, you know, these are, you know, you can, you can sit back and reflect on the fact that I'm no bigger fan of cricket, you know, who hasn't enjoyed the last few days watching that as a culturally what we do, but at this time of year, but, you know, I just think it's, it's, it's time for, for governments to reflect on the fact that these athletes, whether they're superstars in cricket or, people trying to carve out a career in basketball or soccer or whatever sport it may be that they're they're equally they're equally entitled to fair treatment and they're being well catered for and cared for and the administrators of the game have nothing but player safety and community safety as their number one concern. Mate, I couldn't agree more. That a fan, a fan of any sport is still a fan, and um, people pay their money. They want they want to watch sport here, and um, yeah, basketball should get it even even running there. Hey, mate, overseas the Utah Jazz. We've got an Australian Cannon Brooks, the tech billionaire investing. It seems that every day that goes by, another tech billionaire invests in an NBA team. What, what's going on over there? Oh, mate. But it's, it's like it's like the, the siren call. I think you know that you hear the voices. You've got to go there. No, look. Uh, oh, look. I think it's great. I think it's great that Mike's. He's clearly for a long time held a passion for the for basketball, particularly the NBA. And I know I believe he's had a couple of runs at some acquisitions of teams. But to be look entering a very elite club of people mm. that own NBA, NFL, MLB franchises in the United States. That's a that's a pretty elite group of people in terms of sports ownership. So congratulations to him. But I think more importantly, it highlights that you know that people of the caliber of Mike, with the the sort of the resources and financial capital that they carry, can see an opportunity in basketball. And look, inevitably, that's going to filter down into the Australian market in some way, shape, or form. We've seen recent uh, uh, Oladipo uh, he uh, he acquired ten percent of the Breakers in New Zealand. John Wall acquired, uh, I'm not sure what percentage, but he acquired a percentage of the Phoenix in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of interest in what we're doing here. Um, it's a shrunken version, 
I think they paid two billion Aussie for the uh, for the Jazz. Oh. Um, that's a little bit out of my price range this week after Christmas. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm down at the five and dime store at the Kings, mate. Mate, it's, it's a it's the cost of prawns, mate. That's what that's what it does to us. Well, you, can, you can buy you can buy and sell me and Shane out of your ashtray. So uh, let's get a bit of perspective in and around this about the. Yeah. I got a new exercise program for Christmas too. It's terrific. What you do is you open the fridge and you swing on the door. It's really good. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, look, uh, look. Just finally, all the best with sort of navigating through a, a fairly difficult um, cobweb situation. We hope that uh, come around at the eighth of January that some of these borders will be open once you know the you know common sense uh, takes its its course. And uh, mate, we'll talk real soon. Thanks, Paul. All right, fellas. Good on you. Thanks a lot. All the best. Happy New Year, guys. Go the Kings, mate. Go the Kings. Up next here on Afternoon Sport, the world of tennis. Jaslyn Hewitt. All right, let's talk tennis, the summer of tennis. We know the Australian Open is getting underway in February. Someone that has uh, travelled more Ks than the early explorers the past few days. Jaslyn Hewitt, you finally made it to Adelaide. They kept you on the plane. It's So many people have been affected by the, the recent dramas. How are you? Yeah, good afternoon. No, we're great down here in Adelaide since we got here. Yeah, a little bit of troubles on the aircraft when uh, they held us on board for two hours before letting us go. Um, and then going through similar to customs down here in Adelaide and then having to get COVID tested at about 1.30am after landing uh, with an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. So that's always fun. <laughs> hey, Jazz, um, some good news. So there's six wild cards for Australians for the, um, for the Open this year. That's really good news, isn't it, for some young talent? Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Um, they just had two more announced over, over the uh, the last couple of hours with Andy Murray getting one as well, um, having him come into the main draw. So it'll be a great uh, draw card for him with the uh, expats over here in Australia. But, uh, no, it's it's good to see that we're keeping the wild cards for ourselves and our Australian players, and it's just a, a great opportunity. They've even announced the uh, wild cards for the qualifying event, which is uh, uh, going to be a complete different experience for our players heading over to um, Doha and Dubai to qualify over there. Look, there's a real chance for the Aussies here too, isn't it, to uh, pop their heads up. We've got some great players um, in in pretty good seeds uh, worldwide, like in good good seeding positions, and they will not have to go through anything quite like the, the horrid uh, quarantining that the internationals will. No, it's it's definitely going to put us a foot forward, the Australian players, um, not having to do the two weeks quarantine. We are a little bit concerned with what the New South Wales players will have to do, uh, just given where, where their position's at and what uh, Dan out in uh, Victoria is going to decide with uh, the New South Wales borders and how we can open those up. So hopefully the New South Wales cases get uh, a little bit more underhand in the next couple of days and things can release a little bit and then the rest of the uh, New South Wales contingent can have the same um, rules and regulations that the rest of Australians do. Jazz, Tennis Australia have done really well here, I think. They've, um, I think the cost of them is about a $40 million cost to, to charter flights to get players out here, and they're still going to pay, I think, the $83 million in prize money. So it's a really, really good effort from Tennis Australia. 
Yes, they've had some um, contingency plans in place, but they they know what the benefit is for uh, the government, but also for uh, Victorians and Australians to actually see what having the sport and having so many different uh, overseas players come in and what the benefit that is to our economy and trying to get it back up and running. So there, there are going to be a few more tournaments after the Australian Open, which hopefully will draw in some more um, income and revenue to uh, some local country towns like Bendigo or Traugan and these kinds of places that have been doing it tough, especially with the Victorian lockout for so long. We're hoping for 50% crowds at this stage uh, and a lot of players haven't played in front of any crowds at all this year, so I'm sure the players themselves are looking forward to that. Yes, no, definitely having um, crowds in the stadiums, as you know, as an athlete, it would be quite interesting to play cricket in front of no one. So, uh, <laughs> I've been there, done that. <laughs> No, it's it's not what they used to in the junior ranks and coming up through the challenger circuit, used to playing in front of basically your coach or your family and that's about it. So now going back to having crowds, they're going to have a bit restricted with where uh, the spectators are able to uh, walk to and which areas of the venue that they have purchased tickets. Um, but that's just trying to stay in line with COVID regulations. So I think Tennis Australia has done a fantastic job there trying to be show some initiative and break up the venue because it is a very large venue down there at Melbourne Park now. What do you think, Ash Barty? What do you, what do you think the chances are there? Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting in her first couple of tournaments leading into the Australian Open because she hasn't played a real match and just that uh, match fitness and playing under pressure, especially in her hometown. She hasn't actually had, uh, not like the likes of Stoza where you'd see that she'd feel the pressure with the Australian crowds. Ash has been lucky. She um, she seems to handle it quite well. Um, hopefully she's she's had enough hours in training up in Brisbane now with her coach Craig Tizer that she can just come out and uh, play the match that she can the tennis that she can play she's had her hands on a few trophies in the off season but it's been presenting the AFL <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah all, all, everyone's cheering for her as we are for, for our Australian players and Nick Curious and all the boys so um, this should be a really good tournament and thanks again for your time Jazz yeah and Jazz the, uh, just before just before we let you go you, like you mentioned at the start about trying to get into South Australia and you you guys are split at the moment aren't you because Rob Rob Shahady is obviously a good friend of mine you're a good friend of mine but he's in Sydney you're in Adelaide how's that all working through Christmas difficult time huh yeah it was sad not having him down here for Christmas with the boys and and the family but uh, he was stuck in Sydney doing a job that night then we were um, scheduled to fly out and we're hoping that they may open the borders on Christmas Day so we kept changing his flight but uh, he's busy with work up in uh, in Sydney now which is lucky after having about five months off last Mm. year um, just given the COVID restrictions so no it's it's a tough time but we're making the most of uh, our holiday break down here. Yeah well you enjoy it and anyone listening who's looking for a comedian he is the best in the business Rob Shahady. All right thanks so much Jazz. Thanks guys. See you Jazz. That's it for Afternoon Sport. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you today goes to Paul Smith and to Jaslyn Hewitt. Thank you also to our sponsors, Spartan Sport. And of course, goodness gracious me, he is to podcasts what Frank Sinatra was to crooners. Dan McHugh done an amazing job. (laughs) Shane, I look forward to tomorrow, my friend. We'll see you then, mate.